Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For our movement, for our party, and for our country, our brightest days are just ahead. We will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. Trump! But when a straw poll was taken among CPAC uh, participants to see how many thought he ought to be a candidate. Now, this is a pretty Trumpy audience, and only about 55% said that they wanted him to run again. I think that's a significant number and bears watching, because it may mean that if he does decide to run again, despite all the excitement, as you could see there on that floor when he suggested he might, uh, he might have trouble, and uh, Republicans might want to look for someone else with his agenda. Yeah, that was Brit Hume on Fox yesterday. Okay, so I'm not crazy. When I heard over the weekend that they'd done the straw poll and Trump finished first with a full, whatever it was, 55%, I thought, what? That's the Just 55. That's the yeah. Trumpiest crowd you're going to get. This is a crowd that booed having to wear masks at the hotel. I mean, this was the Trumpiest crowd you're going to find anywhere that cheered the idea that the election was stolen, and he only got 55%. And having seen these cycles come and go many times through my life, that's code for I'm getting to be an old fart. Um, you feel differently if your ex-girlfriend calls you and says, I made a mistake, let's get back together a month after you break up. She calls four years down the line. <laughs> You're going to be like, what? I didn't know you still had my number. I'm married with two kids. Yeah, exactly. And and with all due respect to, to everything Trump accomplished and how he cares about middle America in a way politicians haven't for a very long time, uh, in four years, the picture could be very, very different. So I think that's a good point, Britt. You made. Actually, Absolutely. Uh, and how did, uh, what, how, why wasn't that, why wasn't that obvious to everyone? <laughs> what's, uh, I, my, yeah, uh, Seth Meyers uh, even uh, had a joke about it. it. Yeah, there it is. According Clip to 11. a new poll taken at CPAC, 68% of attendees want former President Trump to run again in 2024. Only 68% at CPAC? It's like if you went to a fish concert and weed was polling at 68%. So there's two different numbers there, right? So there's the yeah. the 66% was people who would support him if he did run. Uh-huh. The 55% of which you mentioned was people who actively want him to run again. Is that the, am I getting those two numbers mm, I right? I think that's backward. Or inverted, but those are the two yeah. different. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Either way, I, I was shocked that it wasn't higher. Yeah, yeah. And again, well, with that crowd. Right, right. And again, it's a good point Britt Hume made and then Seth Meyers echoed. Uh, and the future is uh, wide open. Who knows? Boy, it is wide open. Partially because you got a couple of, a couple of guys their age. Biden going to run for another term? Weren't we nope. all assuming he's not going to be president for two terms? I think he even, hasn't he hinted or stated that he's a one-term guy? Right, he's waffled a little bit back and forth, but I would be willing to bet my house that he is not running for a second term. And 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 Trump might not run. So then it's if that's the case, then you have a completely wide open situation. Well, well and it's wide open ideologically too. What the hell is the Republican Party at this point? Oh no. To what extent is the party of uh, Trump policies? To what extent is it what we've advised run against Wokesheviks? And cancel culture, and and run in favor of liberty and commerce, and the rest of it. Uh, wide open, wide God, open. I'd say, Zoom fatigue is real, and science has identified why it happens and how it happens. I have comments on this. 
Yes, I read through this. Which is good, because that's what I do for a living. Yeah, if you didn't, we'd be hurting. Uh, I am working the science desk. I've read this. I think you'll find it persuasive. But first, a quick word from our friends at CarShield. CarShield helps protect you from paying thousands of dollars for a covered repair. Like if your AC goes out just when it gets hot or your GPS stops working. stops working. Oh, that computer stuff can be expensive. And ain't it always just when your car goes out of warranty that something breaks down? Well, CarShield's there for you. I always remember when we got our first job together in Wichita and I went apartment shopping in my car that the AC had just gone out and it was 112 degrees. Oh, yeah. I've never been hotter and more angry in my life. <laughs> if I'd have had car shield, I could have gotten it fixed um, and actually gotten it fixed with the mechanic that I choose. And the car shields administers just take care of the rest. Roadside assistance, rental coverage, trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. Wow, wow. Go to carshield.com, use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com, the code Armstrong. A deductible may apply, it says here, with an underline around it. Uh, carshield.com, the code is Armstrong. So that was our first job together that Joe and I had, and we were 27? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I'm shopping for an apartment in a town I don't know, pre-GPS or anything like that, so I got a map, you know, or stopping at gas stations to ask for directions that way of trying to find the apartment complex. You, you forget how hard it was to find anything back in the day. But you did it. Well, and I can't you even remember, managed. how did you figure out where an apartment complex is that might have rental units? You drove around looking. There was like a guide you got, and it listed them in there. Uh, anyway, uh. I'm driving around a town. I don't know my way around it. It's 112, like record-breaking heat. I have no air conditioner in my car. I was so frustrated. <laughs> it was a black car with a black interior, too, wasn't it? Well, it's supposed to be a dark car, but the paint had fallen off. That was a <laughs> fabulous 88 Mustang I had. Worst car I ever had in my life. Worst now, car was maybe that, ever made. Was that when the uh, the door didn't work and you had to crawl out of the hatch? It was later that winter, after that summer, yes. where both door handles snapped off. <laughs> she couldn't open either door. So to open the hatch on the back and crawl through the back to get in the car. Except sometimes the hatch would be covered with snow, so it weighed like 150 pounds. Yes, and I would crawl in it, and it would close on my legs, and it looked like the car was eating me. It was just terrible. <laughs> That car, just, I know I've told this story many times, but if you haven't heard it, that car, American-made cars now, freaking fantastic. I own a bunch of Fords. Couldn't be happier with them. Last forever. American cars at that period of time were crap. That car was crap. The rearview mirror at one point, I was adjusting it, it just fell off. (laughs) The seatbelt thing just pulled out of the the, the floor, just no longer attached. The power brake handle, one time I pulled the brake and the thing just snapped off. Everything in that car was broken. Every single thing. <laughs> Are Radio you sure it was work. a real car? The paint, Not the toy? The paint fell off. I mean, what the hell is that? Wow. Wow, that was a pile of excrement. It was a pile of crap. No wonder people started buying Japanese cars at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well. And we and, and then what happened? This is the way competition works. Free market works. You get competition, and the American car companies got better. Yep, yep, they sure did. So you're trying to get better at your job. You're trying to get your career a-going. And Have you it's considered you... being good at your jobs? <laughs> <laughs> and it's making you insane being on the video conferences, and you're just full of angst and the rest of it. Science has figured out why that is, and it's pretty darn thought-provoking. We can give it a little more time if we do it after the break. Jack, if you approve of that plan. 
Yeah, and I, I like hearing about this because whenever I hear about this stuff about distance distance working, you know, it's the future. 80% of people are more productive and like it. And this is a short-term uh, trial so far. Yes, yes. That which is appealing uh, at first often will drive you crazy. Plus, shirtless guy, uh, court hearing for child support, and doctor, court hearing while he's doing an operation. What? Speaking of the, uh, the Zoom civilization, it's all coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You must be Michael Wright. Yes, sir. We give you the opportunity to go put some clothes on. Uh, yeah. Here's the defendant has uh, out of bed and here's his clothes himself. Mr. Wright? Yes, sir. I'd be asking too much for you for you to be dressed uh, when we uh, have you come into court the next time. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Oh boy, guy <laughs> hauled into court, virtual court for non-payment of child support. Got no shirt on. Can't help. Poor kid. Hey, Sean, was wasn't there some aspect of the the visuals that we we should know too on that? Did you mention that? Uh, well, there was another Zoom. Uh, it was the Zoom surgeon also in the court, like these Zoom court. Well, no, I just meant the visual of the uh, the shirtless jackass. Uh, I, I haven't seen this. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm sure yeah. there's more to it. Um, there's got to be uh, unfortunate facial hair or uh, hairstyle or something that goes with the shirtlessness. Visible you know, bong. He's he's the scumbag. But don't let a scumbag impregnate you either. Yeah. No, maybe he wasn't a scumbag at the time. That's possible. Yeah, yeah, he's a bad boy. <laughs> no, he's he's a bad human. Yeah, ladies, bad boys ladies make bad humans very very often. Yeah, yeah, make him put a ring on it. So this is so interesting. Number one, that there is a Stanford Virtual Human Interaction Lab, Fascinating. the VHIL. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun to work in, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm way too dumb, but uh, in theory, <laughs> <clears throat> yes, it would be. And they're talking about Zoom fatigue, and we all have it. All of us dread the video meetings, and when we're done, we're exhausted. But but why? And the kids, oh, my God, the poor kids with the Zoom school, a disaster. It's it's one of the great failings of the United States of America, what we've done to the kids during COVID. Anyway, I don't want to get overly serious about this, but they come up with four reasons why Zoom fatigue happens. Reason number one. Excessive amounts of close-up eye contact is just so intense. And the faces uh, are an unnatural you know size. What? You know what? I didn't even recognize it until you said it. That weirds me out so much. The staring right at me. And am I supposed to stare right back at you? I mean, just Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, listen to this. This is so good. In a normal meeting, people will variously be looking at the speaker, taking notes, yep. looking elsewhere. But on Zoom calls, everyone is looking at everyone all the time. It's weird. And and you and you, at least I feel like if I'm not staring straight at it, they're going to think I'm not paying attention. Whereas in a real, right. a real meeting's not that way. I don't have the expectation I have to stare right in the eyes of every person who's speaking. 
Social anxiety and public speaking, one of the biggest phobias when you're standing up there and everyone's staring at you. Even if you're not speaking, that's a stressful uh, stressful occurrence. Um, let's see. Also, and I found this really insightful. Here it is. In general, for most setups, <clears throat> if it's a one-on-one conversation with coworkers or even strangers, you're seeing their face at a size which simulates a personal space that you normally experience only with with somebody very intimate with you. You're not that close to human beings ever. That's funny. Well, I guess, you know, this is Stanford. This is smart people. This is stuff that I didn't realize until you said it. That is an aspect of it. You're yeah. you're some coworker woman, and your giant face is right in front of mine, staring me right in the eyes. Yeah. Unless I'm Andrew yeah. Cuomo, that weirds me out. The scientist went on to say, when someone's face is that close to ours in real life, our brains interpret it as an intense situation that is either going to lead to mating or to conflict. Yes, you either are going to swing on me or we're going to kiss. Right. Clearly is what's about to happen. (laughs) Jeffrey Tubin with the the latter attitude, evidently. Uh, What's happening in effect when you're using Zoop for many, many hours is you're in this hyper-aroused state. Fascinating. Aroused in both senses, yeah. How fascinating. Here's the solution they offer until the platforms change, uh, take Zoom out of full screen, reduce the size of the window, uh, use an external keyboard to allow you to move around a little bit. Uh, here's reason number two, and there are four reasons, and I, I think we can squeeze them in. Yeah, we're doing okay. Uh, seeing yourself during video chats constantly in real time is fatiguing. He says, mm. in the real world, imagine if somebody was following you around with a mirror constantly so that while you were talking to people, making decisions, no. giving feedback, getting no. feedback, you were seeing yourself in the mirror all the time. God dang Might it. Might be helpful. This is... this. Well, no. you're handsome. You it's know, different for you. You know, most stuff we do is crap, but this is not. This is really pretty... This is some insight. Yeah, I don't see myself in meetings. I don't see myself, oh, boy, that shirt does not look good on you. You know, that never happens in a meeting. God, you look red. Your face is all red. Why is my face so red? Is that my face? (laughs) Do I always look like that? You look more like Jesus now than you ever have. So you've not had a haircut since 2019. You are the European Jesus. You Uh, are the... I'm an American citizen, but that's fine. You're the Middle Ages European Jesus. 100%. The Bible! Right. You look like you're in Super Tramp or you're the Lord. (laughs) From about the year 1580. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, just cancel the video of yourself. He has beautiful hair. He has beautiful hair. Um, So, uh, you know, cancel your own video on on the feed. That's a great idea. Reason number three, video chats, uh, they, they exhaust us. Uh, they dramatically reduce our usual mobility, our ability to get up, walk around, even, uh, you know, to shift in our seat, whatever. You've got to stay in the field of the camera, you know? Um, uh, that's a simple one. Uh, but they recommend people think more about the room they're video conferencing in, where the camera's positioned. Again, use an external keyboard to change positions. Okay, that's super. So I, I've got a Zoom meeting thing that I have to do fairly regularly, and I went to. Uh, posting a picture because I saw some other people do that, and I just thought ah, that'd be helpful for me because sometimes I'm doing some stuff. So I have a picture of me, a headshot, and I'm happy with that picture. So I don't have the I don't look good in this. Mm. Um, I can walk around while I'm listening, and the picture's always there. And I've found it much more relaxing to do it that way. And it's for all the reasons you just mentioned. I'm not yeah. staring at them; they're not staring at me. I'm moving around. It's, it's very handy. Do you have that thing retouched a little bit? Spruce it up a bit? Just, you know, 
Yeah, a little nip, it's little actually uh, the headshot from Michael's wedding. So a professional photographer oh. took the picture, and so I just have a good picture. Yeah, and uh, I like. Is there is that scene as uncool for your business meeting? To just have a headshot on there. This is not right. for a business thing where I do it. Kind of the opposite. I'm seeing more and more people saying we don't need cameras for these Zoom meetings. We can we can do cameraless or just have the photos up. I, seeing more and more people saying that should be the default, not the videos. You know what? That's a good point too. We 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 were trying to recreate the conference room experience, but not for any real good reason. Yeah, as a guy, and we need to get to reason for Zoom conferences are exhausting because it's really interesting, but <clears throat> as a guy with kids scattered to several different states and family all over the place, I realized at some point I found FaceTime distracting. I'd rather just talk to you. Interesting. Yeah, I don't oh. know. Maybe I'm weird. Well, well, I'm definitely weird. But Anyway, uh, reason number four, uh, Zoom fatigue is real. The cognitive load is much higher than in real life. Here's what they mean. In face-to-face, in, you don't even know what that means, pretty, pretty Jesus boy. I knew it. <laughs> in regular face-to-face interaction, nonverbal communication is so natural, each of us naturally makes and interprets gestures and nonverbal cues subconsciously. But in video chats, we have to work harder to send and receive signals. In effect, the scientist says, humans have taken one of the most natural things in the world, an in-person conversation, and transformed it into something that involves a lot of thought. You're laboring to interpret the nonverbal cues because it's so much harder. Like I said, most of this stuff is crap. When I hear these things, all of these ring 100% true. We will post this within the next couple of minutes at armstrongandgetty.com so you can zap it around and read it again if you like. It's it's really good stuff. Of course, it's from Stanford and not People Magazine, so that's one of the reasons <laughs> it's not right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This Loudoun County, Virginia public schools reportedly dropped their annual Dr. Seuss celebration. The author's birthday has been observed in schools for more than two decades as Read Across America Day. But activists say Seuss's books are covered with what they call Orientalism, anti-blackness, and white supremacy. The white supremacist Dr. Seuss. Um, are are we nut picking here? Is that one wackadoo school somewhere in America that decided that, or is this a an actual trend across America? You know, that's an interesting uh, question. Um, it could be a little of both. Nut picking. Gonna... Nut picking is when you take a person from the other side or an organization or whatever, and you act like that's everybody on the other side. Media does it all the time with Twitter comments. <laughs> that's that's practically all they do. Right, right. Here's or somebody ma- with four, man on the street. Here's somebody with four followers in Iowa who thinks this. Right. Can you right. believe Republicans? Well, there's this uh, liberal education advocacy group called Learning for Justice that's been pushing this. Um, they are uh, they are anti Dr. Seussian because some of his books had like you know uh, like if I ran the zoo, which is one of my favorite uh, Dr. Seuss books. I cherished it as a little kid. Um, he goes off into foreign lands in his imagination and finds these incredibly exotic beasts, and the people who are there in those lands are cartoonish representations of the people in those lands, probably because they're freaking cartoons. 
Uh, and so they've decided that in, instead of just showing uh, another mode of dress to little kids who don't think anything of it, that's racist, has which anybody, is just stupid. Has anybody ever connected the dots in any meaningful way to you on that leads to? No. No, absolutely not. I feel like I'm a grown-up with a an appreciation of uh, different cultures around the world. And wait a second, you're not red and a cartoon figure like I learned in the Dr. Seuss book when I was four. I can't wrap my head around this. And or I hate you and think you're right. less than right. me. Right. No, of course not. You have the, the, the pictures as a kid, and then you learn more as you age. Then you meet people from cultures. Maybe you travel, and you're... Understanding evolves. No, there's there's absolutely no t- tying a picture in a Dr. Seuss book of a guy who looks vaguely Arab course, to some sort of bias. We're getting sucked into we're getting sucked into this in the wrong way. If you if you read any of the the literature on critical race theory and all this sort of stuff, the the they're not. It doesn't have to make sense. Any opportunity to erase the past is an opportunity to build a new future. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to make sense. So right, trying they to make have to sense tear down it, the culture. Yeah. Trying to make sense of it will drive you crazy. It's an excuse for erasing something that used to exist so they can come up with something new. Well, they're getting over because the uh, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which uh, publishes his books and protects the author's legacy, announced that they will cease publishing six of his books, including some of the great ones. Uh, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, canceled. Canceled. If I ran the zoo, which I loved, canceled. Canceled. White people are better than black people. With a favorite no, no, Dr. No, Seuss book. No, that's not on there. No, no, no. Magella gets pool canceled. Canceled. On Beyond Zebra, another great fantasy animal book canceled. Canceled. Scrambled egg super, and they are. I've never heard of that one. And the cat's quizzer also canceled. I don't know all those. Which is surprising, because I thought I knew them all. Because we've read a lot of Dr. Seuss books. Um, It's Dr. Seuss week at my kid's private school that he's going to and learning in class. But it's Dr. Seuss week, and they're doing Dr. Seuss. Yesterday was Crazy Socks Day for Fox and Socks. Today they wear crazy Dr. Seuss sort of hat thingies. Um, But So not everywhere feels this way about Dr. Seuss, but... The, the Your movie. kids go to Strom Thurmond Elementary School, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's really only a Confederate flag. It's the only flag allowed in the school because of Dr. Seuss. Um, so, but, hmm. So it sounds like if the publisher is pulling them, it's actually a growing movement. Yeah, yeah. The good doctor earned an estimated $33 million before taxes last year, which is substantially up because his books are catching on around the world now. As positive, uh, positive values teach environmentalism, tolerance. I mean, Dr. Seuss himself, Theodore Geisel, was a liberal. He was an environmentalist. He believed in racial justice, and, and those messages are run hot through his books. That, that's fine, and that's all true, I suppose. I, I'll, all I know with my kids and me was it's hearing someone read to you, which is important for the brain to learn to read, and they're entertaining was yeah. pretty much it for me. Uh, I didn't need to get any message. I certainly didn't get a white supremacy message out of it. Before no, Dr. No, Seuss, no sane person would. Before Dr. Seuss, children's books were the C spot. Right. C spot run. Right, which was a C Jane with a dog. Right. It, <laughs> it, 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 it took him kind of realizing we need to get kids excited about reading to get more literacy. How dare which is you? Which why National Reading Day, Reading Day is in his honor. How yeah. dare you assume that is Jane? That could be Dick. It's not up for you to decide. 
Does Jane have a dick? What? What? Huh? Careful? What? Probably shouldn't air that one. That's crazy. Just crazy. It's so um, discouraging. But, you know, your point was a great one. It's not about cleansing the world of Dr. Suits. It's making you submit. I wish more people understood this. It, tear yeah. down the past, and then you can rebuild it however you want. Deconstructing. Um, it's really interesting and scary. Uh, you can go to Starbucks now and order this. An iced chocolate almond milk shaken espresso. Sorry, espresso. Too many um, words. What now? Iced Chocolate. I would like an iced chocolate almond milk shaken espresso, please. Venti. So they've even put no the whip. word milkshake in there. Milk and shake are separate, but yes, the word milkshake yeah. is in there. It's almost like a clue. Yeah, they're letting you know you're ordering a milkshake. <laughs> they're just tricking you into saying it. It's like an anagram or something. You could drink it by the time you say the name. <laughs> or you could get the brown sugar. Dun, dun, dun. Brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. The Starbucks is paired with oat milk because um, they believe the right thing for the environment to do would be to not milk cows and to have all milk be from grains. The cows are going to explode if you don't milk them. So there's that. It hurts their teats. And Volkswagen is bringing back the microbus, which I must admit I've always wanted to own and assume I will (laughs) own at some point in my life. At some point in my life, I will be driving around the countryside in a Volkswagen microbus. I just I know I will. And I'll be wearing a straw hat. I'd assume they're a little more reliable and, and better in a crash than they used to be because they look like tin cans on wheels. And they look awesome. But uh, the new one is called, you know, i got to get over my pride and put my reading glasses on. Do it. Do it. I struggle because I don't want to have my glasses on. But I need to. My um, son, who often refers to me as the world's most conservative hippie, <laughs> probably expects me to end up in one of these, too. Yeah, it really, really sounds cool. Uh, I can't find the name of it, darn it, because it's got a really kooky name. It's something dot, oh, the, the ID dot buzz. The, ID dot buzz. It's to tip you off to the fact that it is so uh, modern and forward thinking. It's an electric vehicle. It's all kinds of fancy software and computerized and download new the stuff like Tesla's do and all that sort of stuff. And um, so it's a uh, it's that. So they're trying to get the, um, you know, the aging hippie that is environmentally conscious and wants an electric vehicle and kind of combine all those things. It's a cool looking vehicle. It looks a lot like the 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 old uh, VW Microbus. Could be a big oh. hit. I think it could be a giant hit. Are the dead still around? Can we follow them? Oh, with John Mayer, you can. Dead and Company. Yeah, slightly different. Plus, there will be other bands come along that will mindlessly jam for hours at a time, (laughs) putting them to sleep. (laughs) With dirty-footed hippies. How long is this song going on? (laughs) Clean your feet! (laughs) We all all have our gripes. (laughs) Um, So you get in your VW Micro Dot Bus with your almond espresso brown sugar. (laughs) And uh, you live your life. You follow Bernie around from stadium to stadium and uh, do your thing. Wow, that sounds like a dream. Yeah, <laughs> What's not the like? fantastic. Uh, <laughs> text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, 
after he was publicly accused of sexual harassment by two former aides. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo yesterday issued an apology, even though one aide made her accusation from a hospital. So to him, it doesn't count. Nah, I get it. Lots of shots at him. Is he done? I don't, I don't, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I think some of it is they, all of the media is in New York and their fascination with everything that is New York. Uh, and I don't care who's the governor of New York, but do you think he's done? I, he won't get reelected. I think his support is crumbling. I don't like family dynasties. I think that's just, that's, which fits no, in with the story I'm about to do, actually. Well, he strikes me as a complete a-hole, too, so there's that. Yeah, I read an article the other day that was basically, hey, the world has just found out what he's been like his whole life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wild. That's what uh, the Mayor de Blasio has basically been saying. Yeah, this is the way he's treated everybody forever. Bullying, coming on to women, this is who he is. Everybody knows it. Well, that's why so many Democrats are turning against him. He got to where he is, and, you know, this is true for a lot of guys in New York politics, by beating the hell out of anybody who got in his way. He looks exactly like that kind of guy, too. That doesn't help Mm -hmm. him any. So, uh, people of all stripes are unhappy with the politics. I mean, you're hard-pressed to find anybody who thinks that things aren't kind of messed up and maybe willing to take a look at doing things a different way. Right, left, or center. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For a variety of reasons, like a Bill Crystal, Weekly Standard, Never Trumper, conservative who's a Never Trumper, he's got this idea now about having Never Trump Republicans join the Democratic Party to moderate it. Will will there's so many of us that we could force them to be something completely different than they are? Mm, wow, I don't know if I agree I, with that or not. I'd but. have to noodle that one through for a while and kind of play it out over the span of a couple of years how that would go. Right. I mean, if it would moderate the Democratic Party, I'm in favor of it, but I don't think the Republicans would ever win another election. Um, what if we replaced elected politicians with randomly selected citizens? This is an idea that goes way back to the ancient Greeks. Ho Bolemenius is what it is in Latin, or anyone who wishes. Look at them hoes. Oh, sorry. That's not My Latin's a little rusty. Of by Four is a new nonpartisan nonprofit organization whose goal is to change the entire system how we choose leaders, arguing that the centuries-old democratic ideal of government of the people, by the people, for the people, is crumbled. And the solution, they say, is instead of electing rich, polished politicians who are tied to special interests, we should be getting the masses to govern. The goal is to free America from politicians, parties, and all the BS, said the founder of Of By Four, and give us a government that actually works. Well, how does it work in practice? Of By Four has performed a mock lottery to give people a glimpse of how this would work. 30 Michigan residents were chosen to form a citizens panel and make recommendations about COVID-19 policy. The group mailed out 10,000 requests to a representative sample of people based on census data and polling data. And then they went into another lottery, and then they randomly generated a thousand unique panels of thirty, which they picked, of which they picked one. The trial was a success, they say. Their chosen panelists were demographically representative, gender balanced, aged twenty to eighty-seven, and had wide variations in race, education, and political views. Um, any thoughts on this to start with? The idea of randomly selecting citizens to govern themselves? I love the notion of it. I think we need to design and perfect some sort of moron test. 
Um, although morons should be representative, I don't think they should be leading. It, it reminds me, as you were describing it, it reminds me is, a great deal of being on a jury. Is moron worse than evil? Is moron uh, worse than corrupt? No. In, well, no. The, the, the answer is sometimes yes, sometimes no. Depends what you're talking about. Um, but being on a jury, anybody who's ever served on a jury, it can be very disturbing. Some people have no ability to think logically. Real representation can only be achieved by putting ordinary people in charge of governing. These people would be accountants, waitness, waitresses, engineers, business owners, single mothers, and students who are actually affected by the decisions they make for everyone. I wonder if you wouldn't weed out a lot of people who would never sign up to be in the whole lottery thing. That whole crowd that never votes, for the most part, and mm-hmm. don't pay any attention. I bet they, yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't want to be on it. I have to show up how often? I have, to li- I have to be there for eight hours and listen to people talk about health care? I'm not doing that. The fact that you need to opt into the lottery to begin with, is a, so it's not an entirely random yeah. sampling of a, of a city, for But that example. would be a, yeah. a self-selecting right. self, uh, group there, I think, to a certain extent. Yeah, that, that goes a pretty long way to uh, assuaging my fears. Yeah, I think that would be... I love I, it when it, your fears are assuaged. <laughs> oh, Swaj me, baby. Um, yeah, it's an intriguing idea. My only, oh God, now we're getting into the usual ground, which is the government is now so vast and complex, nobody understands it. The president doesn't, the Speaker of the House doesn't, Mitch McConnell doesn't, nobody has any idea what the government is doing. No, I listened to a long podcast the other day with, with brainy think type, think tank type people talking about all the reforms that need to have happen with Congress to get it back to being the preeminent branch of government, which is the way our system is designed. And right now they are in a distant third place. They're yeah, supposed you got to turn be, me on to that. That sounds great. It, it is good. I will. I will afford that to you. Uh, I should post it. Um, Just don't listen to it instead of us. The legislative branch is supposed to be the branch that really is the dominant force in our government. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And it is now a distant third. They give all the power to the executive branch and the judicial branch. And they go on TV and tweet stuff and raise money and stay elected. That's pretty much what they do. But one of the reforms uh, was having way more representatives. Our House of Representatives should have like 1,200 people. Huh. And, and um, if you go back through history of how many, how many reps represented how many people and how uh, uh, for so much of the history of this country... Your chance of getting a hold of your representative and talking to them was pretty good, mm-hmm. um, and you know it got less and less and less as the population grew, and we we've kept the same number for like a hundred years or something like that. Um, and now it's almost impossible. Right. You know that reminds me. One of the the many uh, breakup California movements pointed out that in I can't remember one of your northeast states might be Vermont something like that. Each uh, rep in the state legislature represents something around fourteen hundred people, whereas in California it's like four hundred twenty five thousand yeah. yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just insane. It's a it's a no. Of course you would never be able to get a hold of them, or would they care what you think? There are way too many people to worry about what you think. Well, right. You're one four hundred twenty fifth of their give a damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, these are intriguing notions. I, I mean, we can't throw away the Constitution, but I don't think we can keep going down the road we're on as a country and survive uh, dying of a, a national heart attack, if you will. I think our arteries are so clogged with, with money and special interests and, and self-serving politicians. I don't know that we can survive it. 
cultural attitude would be a lot of it. Um, I don't know how you change that. That changes really slowly over time. So, as, like I was talking about the other day, for for up until fairly recently, members of Congress, because they take the same oath the president does and everybody else does to uphold the Constitution, would never vote for a piece of legislation if they thought it was unconstitutional, because that that was their oath. Right. Well, now that happens all the time. Regularly, we pass things that are unconstitutional, and then the courts stop. Well, right, but you get points on your side but for you, you know going the the one extra mile mm-hmm. by being unconstitutional. Yeah, that's really that's a great point, and it's a disturbing one. You know, one final point for me anyway on this segment is I believe in American exceptionalism. I believe in it completely, but there are some people who think it's just I don't know God's will or something like that. No, it's it's we have crafted a form of self government that's the best one ever devised, and we all believed in it and fought for it for a long time. But it will go away if this sort of cultural shift you're describing continues and it doesn't get cured somehow. We're not foreordained to last forever as a country. Of course not. Crazy. Of course not. That sort of attitude will doom us. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go and ban Dr. Seuss. What's the matter with us? <laughs> sick. What do you think of uh, randomly selecting people a lottery to uh, to run our government? I don't think you'd choose your president that way. But... No, put them in Congress, though. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I like my congressman. Text line 415-295-KFTC. But, yeah, but I can think of a ton of congressmen. You'd be way better off with a rando than, than them. Can't you? Yeah, hey, what, yeah, what do you see the pros and cons as? 415-295-KFTC. I'd love to, to hear the peeps come together and share some ideas. Hmm. Interesting you stuff. You can email, too, if you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or uh, your favorite Dr. Seuss book on Dr. Seuss's birthday. Whatever you want to do. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.